Well, I am super excited for another hopefully great semester. Um, I hope you all all had a great break. I know for your, all the UMHB students in the room, it feels really long and felt really long for me too. I kind of forgot all the things that I'm supposed to do on Wednesdays. And so I'm glad we're back and getting back in the rhythm together. Um, I don't know about y'all, but the Flieger family had a few exciting things happen over the break, so I just wanted to give y'all a few updates. One, um, Aaron graduated from physical therapy school. Yeah, pretty awesome. Um, he accepted a job at Baylor Scott & White as a physical therapist there, so yeah, pumped for him. So ready for him to have a job, and yeah. Um, and then second, we're having a baby, which is also really exciting. Uh, we're due July 10th, and we're taking applications for babysitters now, so whoever, I'm just kidding, but for real, I know our babies is, is going to be in really good hands with you guys. Um, last semester, I think it was like two weeks left in the semester when I figured out and it was so hard not to tell y'all, and I was also so scared I was going to get up here and preach and have to run to the bathroom. Um, but thankfully, that didn't happen, and I'm glad that y'all know now. Uh, so this semester, we are going to be walking through First and Second Timothy together, and I'm super excited about it because I think... Um, one, it's just really helpful to walk through a book of the Bible or a few books of the Bible in this space because it is, one the best place to be is in scripture, and two, getting to read and learn how to read the Bible in community is so important. Um, also, we have these little Bible journals. That, um, if you didn't get one and you want one, uh, we can pass them around. I'm going to stick them over here if you need one, though. And so I was, as I was praying and thinking through what, what book we should study this semester, uh, I realize we're going to be studying a book in the Old Testament as a church on Sundays here coming up in a few weeks. We'll be there for um, quite a while. And so I was like, okay, let's do the New Testament. And First and Second Timothy really stood out to me, and I really felt peace about doing it. So a big reason why that is is because a big theme of Timothy we're going to see is that the theme is about truth. Um, and following the truth, not our own truth or what the world says, uh, but the truth, the gospel truth. And I think that is super important in our current culture because there are so many different um, voices out there that's trying to feed us their truth, the world's truth, follow your truth. And the truth, the gospel truth, has gotten blurred uh, the truth of who Jesus is and who and what we believe as Christians and how the church is supposed to function has often gotten blurred. And I think this happens when we try and th take things into our own hands, when we try and grasp for control. It happens when we think we know best, when we have to have all the answers. It happens when we discern individually instead of in community. It happens when we take scripture out of context, which is really dangerous. It happens when we drift from a relationship with Jesus. And so I, I, my goal for this semester is that we can really think about and make sure we are meditating and studying the truth and that our life revolves around the truth and not some other truth. Because we know that the truth is our only hope. Right, and I, I really am excited to journey through that in a lot of different ways this semester. 
So we're going to go ahead and jump into 1 Timothy, and let's get some context for what's going on here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says, oh, also, by the way, if this is your first time, how we do things here is I teach for a little bit, set up the text, and then we're going to discuss at our tables, and then we'll do that one more time. So be prepared, be paying attention. Um, It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we learn here that this is a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. And Paul and Timothy have a really special relationship. Paul was Timothy's mentor in the faith, and we learn here that also he considers him his son. So their relationship is so intimate that he considers him his son in the faith. And so he has raised Timothy up in the faith, and now Timothy is his co-worker in the faith. It's kind of like my relationship with Kaylin. Um, I've mentored Kaylin in some different ways, and now we're co-workers, and she is on staff here at the Vista Um, So Paul and Timothy have this really unique, special relationship getting to work together. And so let's keep reading about what Paul is asking Timothy to do. So he says, As I urge you, when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain persons not to teach false doctrines any longer. So Ephesus, it should maybe sound familiar to you, um, the letter of Ephesians, which is also written by Paul, was to the church in Ephesus. So this is the same church that Paul's talking about here, and there's obviously something that he caught wind of that's not good, and so he's wanting Timothy to go there or stay there to help with this situation. We're going to read through verse 11. So he says, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain persons not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they are talking about or what they, are conf- what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers, the rebels, the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for the slave traders and the liars and the perjurers. And it is for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. So, we get a pretty clear understanding of why Paul is asking Timothy to stay in Ephesus and what is going on in this church. You see, there's this this problem of these teachers teaching false doctrines or different um, or or strange doctrines. 
And what doctrine means is Christian belief. It's what we teach. It's our, it's our beliefs. And we get these teachings, or we should get these teachings from Jesus and from what Scripture says about Jesus. And then things go really wrong when we stray from Scripture and from Jesus. Galatians talks about it in chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So this is pretty serious right? It's pretty serious when we use our words to affirm anything other than the gospel of Christ and the good news of Jesus and what Jesus means for our lives. And what these people, these teachers that Paul's talking about here, they have devoted their teachings. So their core message is something other than the truth, other than the true gospel. They're devoting themselves, and that, that word is a pretty strong word, when you are devoted to something, that is what you're passionate about, right? That's what you're giving your energy toward. You're committed to it, and there's dedication there. And so they're, they're really, these leaders are really passionate about these off beliefs. And even if it's something, we don't, we don't know exactly what they're teaching. We're going to learn a little bit more throughout the, the letters. But even if what they are teaching isn't necessarily false, if it is not truth and pointing people to who Jesus is and how he transforms us as followers of Jesus, then is it worth devoting your time to? And Paul knows that there is already consequences here happening in this community because of these false teachings. Instead of these teachers leading people more into relationship with Jesus, how to love God and how to love people, they're leading people into confusion and chaos and controversy, which is not what the church is supposed to look like, right? What they're doing is causing division in their church, and they're definitely not helping people move forward in their relationship with Christ. And that is what the goal is. For people up here um, speaking like me, or for you sharing your faith, it's to help people move into deeper relationship with Christ. So if you've been at Vista for... Um, any period of time, you might have heard us talk about open hand or open-handed and closed-handed beliefs or doctrines. Are y'all some of y'all familiar with hearing about that? I think Dave's actually going to talk about that a lot this coming Sunday. And so, what we mean when we say that is that over here in our closed hand, we have our primary doctrines, the things that we believe are essential to faith and salvation. And these things are things that we must believe as Christians and that we cannot waver back and forth on. So they're in the closed hand, right? And um, those are our primary doctrines. And we didn't just make them up here at Vista. We didn't just say, we think that these few things are what are most important. This is what has been passed down from the early church for generation after generation for hundreds of years in saying that this is what is essential for Christians to believe and this is what we can all agree on is essential for Christians to believe. 
And so those things, um, there's, a, there's a paper, a few sheets of paper on your table. I didn't print off um, one for everybody because I didn't want a bunch to just get thrown away. But I want you to look at those um, and maybe take a picture of it. And there's scripture to go along with each one of them. And on your own time, do some research. Look at what are these essential primary doctrines. But what they revolve around is what we believe about God. Okay, that's pretty important, right? What we believe about God, the Trinity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. What we believe about Scripture, that it is the authoritative word of God. What we believe about humanity, who we are, what God says about us. What we believe about salvation, the church, and consummation. That means the fulfillment, the end times. So I'd encourage you to read those things um, because they're a really big deal. And that is what we are focusing on. That is where the truth is. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And notice, these require faith, right? These beliefs require a lot of faith. And we receive these doctrines, like Paul talks about, with a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. And I want to note that this word sincere means here, it doesn't mean how big or small your faith is. It doesn't mean how long or recent your faith is. It means that it's genuine. It means that you have a genuine faith. It's not a faith that you just have because it's the cultural normal thing to do. It's not a faith that you have because your parents told you you should believe in God. It's a genuine faith that you are confident in and put your hope in. And then we have the open hand, right? And what the open hand is, is things that we can find in scripture um, things that uh, we can care about, that we can do our research on, but they're things that, one, aren't essential to our salvation. They aren't essential that we believe them to be saved. And two, a lot of the times, we don't have the answers for, and we're not gonna have the answer for until we meet Jesus one day. And so, should we be spending all our time investing in these open-handed things when these are gonna cause a lot of times confusion and division instead of focusing on these things that is where our salvation is found and that is essential to what it means to be a Christian, right? And these things in our closed hand on that sheet of paper, um, those are the things that help people fall in love with Jesus and further their relationship. So what happened here is that these teachers are focusing on these open-handed things way too much. And they are getting so distracted and make putting their eggs all in this non-essential basket. They aren't teaching the gospel. They've, they've followed this new truth that they've come up with. And you've, you've probably seen this happen in your life or in, in your churches or I mean, even in the secular world, like people come up with something and they put all their eggs in that basket as their truth. And so Paul is trying to remind them, like, no, what is our focus on? Where should our eyes be? One example that I came up with is it, it's like they were teaching, 
They were spending all their time trying to teach about whether or not Jonah actually got swallowed by a whale. Like, did he literally get swallowed by a whale, or is that just a story, a metaphor? And we could argue about that all day, right? And it's kind of interesting to think about, maybe, but does that really matter? Does that make us fall more in love with Jesus? And so they were just getting caught up on all these crazy things. And so for me, as your teacher up here, it's important that I take this very seriously, that I am teaching uh, the truth and not teaching false doctrine. I really hope I'm not. Um, But whether you are ever planning on getting up on a stage to preach, or not, I think this is really important for you because it's gonna affect you in two different ways. One is that, I mean, you're here right now listening to someone teach you and hopefully you're gonna be continuing to be taught the rest of your lives by different people and you have access now through social media, through podcasts, through Google to be taught by so many different voices and so we need to make sure that we are able to discern what is the truth and where, what, what has our attention? What is the truth that marks our lives? What is influencing us? What's informing us? Who's informing us? And then also, even if you don't plan on ever being on a stage, if you open your mouth, or if you use your fingers to type something up that you intend for anyone else to hear or read when you're talking about Jesus or anything to do with faith, you are teaching. People are listening to you and they are learning what you have to say. So are you teaching people the truth or are you causing controversy and distractions to the people that you're teaching? And so this is kind of a broad theme of what we're gonna be journeying through this semester and just thinking about different ways that we need to focus on the truth and what has distracted us and how can we bring the light back on Jesus. And so for our first question, I want you to talk about, um, are you a part of teaching that, teachings that advance the gospel by faith? And what teachings have you seen that do the opposite, like these false teachers that breed confusion and division? So I'm gonna spend a few minutes talking about that at your tables. Ready, go. All right, are y'all ready to keep going? Okay, we're not gonna discuss this one as a big group. I think we'll discuss the next question as a big group. Um, So we're gonna keep moving through the text. So in verse eight, Paul starts to talk about the law. And it seems like what he's saying here is that these people are also taking the law out of context. And what Paul means by the law is probably the 10 commandments, the Mosaic law which were given to God's people, the Israelites, when they continued to fall away from God over and over again. And I want want to remember here that the law was also really important to Paul because he grew up as a Jew, right? So he was a Pharisee himself, and the law was everything to him. It, It revolved around his whole life. And so when he became a Christian, I think it's really interesting and we should pay attention to the fact that he didn't just say, okay, forget the law, now fully Jesus. Paul, a big part of his teaching is saying that the law still matters. Um, in Matthew 5:17, Jesus says this, do not 
think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so I want you guys to look at the text, the Timothy text, and then read Exodus 21 through 21, which is where we find the Ten Commandments. And for the next discussion, talk about why do you think the law still matters to us? Why did Jesus not just come to get rid of the law? What does it mean that Jesus came to fulfill the law? And what does the law do specifically in your life? So, doing it a little bit different, making y'all do some work, then we're going to talk about it, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. What'd y'all come up with? What'd y'all talk about at your tables? Kaylin and Aaron have a mic to pass around. Anything interesting you discovered? Okay, we talked about um, just like the law, and it even, Bailey's the one that mentioned this, by the way, um, that in Romans, in Romans 7, 7, it talks about that the law, um, like the law isn't sin, and that if it hadn't been for the law, that like we wouldn't, and they wouldn't know like what sin was. Um, and that without pointing out, like, what's right and what's wrong, then there would be, like, no recollection of, like, oh, like, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. And so it's really cool to connect, like, Old Testament and New Testament and look at how, like, those two things, it's like, oh, like, and Jesus even expanded on it later in, like, the Sermon on the Mount. But just, like, that without the law, like, we wouldn't know what sin was. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. So um, to answer the first question, uh, we talked about, like, why does the law still matter to us? And we just looked at um, verse 9 in the first Timothy. And I answered, I was like, you know, the law still matters to us that, uh, sorry, I can't get my words right. Um, It still matters because it applies to all of us today. Because it says that it's not made for the just, but it's made for the lawless. And we could reflect in all of our lives and see that we all sin and that we all aren't perfect. Yeah. And it, like Sydney, you pointed out uh, Matthew 5 and 17. And we see like Jesus came to fulfill the law. So when we look at the law, we could also look at Jesus and like, see that he came and lived a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And that he could be our, our example yeah. for how we are supposed to live and follow the law. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Jesus is perfection, so he didn't need the law because he was perfect. And the law shows us that we're not. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay, sorry, guys. Um, okay, so we kind of talked about how um, the law can help with, like, your relationship with the Lord. And um, a good point was brought up that we can use it as a way to like not grow complacent in our relationship with God. And instead, like we can take this and we can see how we maybe need to like work on a few things. Like we were talking about Sabbath and like, do we really have a true Sabbath where we just sit and like reflect in the glory of the Mm -hmm. Lord and like um, just 
that we can use this as like a blueprint to kind of just always be working toward bettering our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. If we wouldn't see it as like a punishment or a negative thing that's uh, to make our life miserable, but make our lives better. Um, One example I thought about in relation to that is like dating. If someone says you're not dating well, but you don't know what dating well looks like, then how are you supposed to date? You need a good example of what dating well looks like to model after, and that's what the law does too. Okay, so um, I would say the simple answer would just be that it protects us. I mean, if you, for all of us, we've all broken the law at some point, and I think for me, I had a hard time with religion at first, just because stereotypically, it like, it's, it feels like he's just taking away all these things that are like fun for your flesh, but essentially, he's just protecting you from a lot of heartbreak in the end, so that's kind yeah. of what we talked about. Yeah. I think that is a great mind shift. If we can see the law, and we've talked about boundaries here before at Vespers, like from Genesis, if we can see those as a gift to protect us because God wants us to function in what he created good for us. And it's when we go outside of that that there is heartbreak and pain and evil and death. And the law is to help guide us in how God intended us to live. And there is joy and peace and goodness in that for sure. Thanks, Katie. Josh, was that a, you want to talk? Oh, no. (laughs) Anyone else? Back in the back. Okay, so one of the members in our group (laughs) mentioned something that was very eye-opening for me, and I think a lot of people in our group. He said that someone once told him that the amount of hate that you have in your heart for the person that you hate the most is, what did you say? (laughs) (laughs) Set up. So the person that you hate the most, God loves him just as much as he loves you. That's what I said. Yeah, that's good. So we expanded on that, saying that that's like one of the primary things that God has told us is that he loves us and that we have to show that same love and act it out in our lives and that the law helps us do that because it gives us boundaries for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was talking to this table over here about it, but the first few laws are about how to honor God, right? And then the rest of them are about how to honor people. And what does Jesus say the greatest command is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So what is he doing? He's just boiling down the Ten Commandments and saying... This is what I'm about, loving God and loving people. Someone over here? Yes, hi. Hey. Um, We are kind of talking about, I shared about the second part of the question, or the second question, Um, and I think, I guess like personally, the law helps, 
I guess Jesus uses a lot to help kind of like redirect us, um, especially in seasons of like, what is the will of God for my life or what am I doing? Um, the law is like something that you can go back to and be like, this is the known will, like God has said, do these things. And so instead of like worrying about the things that you don't know he said to do or not do, you can be like, okay, like how can I be faithful and obedient to like trusting my, honoring my mother and father or keeping the Sabbath day holy or all of those things. And so, um, yeah, I think I go back to Exodus a lot when I'm overwhelmed of like what I'm not supposed to be doing or are supposed to be doing to like get direction from the Lord of like, okay, this is what I'm clearly calling you to do and his love language is obedience. And so just obey in that. Yeah. 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 We, are y'all keep going or no? Okay. Yeah. I definitely think we overcomplicate what God has asked us to do a lot. And we, we think we need every little thing written in detail. Like this is how you live and this is how you are supposed to eat and this is how you're supposed to date and this is how you're like everything. But if we go back to the law God gave Moses, it, it really can relate to everything and we don't have to make it so complicated for sure. Those are awesome answers, guys. Good job. Um, so just in conclusion, I think the law ultimately reveals our need for God's grace. Um, we are, have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so the law reminds us that we need God's grace in our life. We need Jesus as our Savior. And what the law is not, when we abuse the law, is when we think that the law is our salvation. The law does not give us salvation. Salvation is a gift from God through Jesus. And so when we make the law uh, all about being legalistic as a means to righteousness, that's when we take it out of context here. And that's probably what these people were doing that Paul was talking about. And so the law does two things for us. Um, it, one, helps us resist sin, and we've touched on that. And that's important because when we are called to be in a relationship with Jesus, we're also called to resist sin in our life. So it helps us resist sin, and it, the law also reveals sin in our life. It reveals the ways that we are falling away from God. I love how one theologian explains it. He says, as long as I am not running through a stop sign, the stop sign law does not bother or summon me. Only when I run the stop sign do I hear the siren and see the lights flashing behind me or wonder if I might. The law corrects and curbs only lawlessness, nothing else. As the surgeon is hardly of much use to the healthy, so the law is not urgently needed by those who, are all, who already kept it through faith, active in love. And we know, right, that Jesus is the only one who keep, kept the law perfectly here on earth. And that is what we are striving for, but we're gonna run stop signs, right? Like, we're gonna run stop signs every day, literally and figuratively. Um, and we need God's grace, and we need the law to reveal in our lives where we are falling short, and so we can be called back into God's goodness and not experience um, the pain and what it looks like to be separated from God. So ultimately, 
the law reminds us that we need Christ and that he is our only hope. So in conclusion this week, I really wanna challenge you guys, does the law, do you need to look at the law this week and does the law need to reveal any sin in your life, any ways that you are separating yourself from God, from loving God and loving people? Or maybe on the flip side, do you struggle with legalism with the law? Are you trying to run to the law as your means to righteousness instead of running to Jesus? And then I'm also just really excited to continue talking about this semester, how what we believe directly impacts the way we live as Christians. And so that's a big theme, that what we believe affects how we live. So let's practice, let's think about believing rightly and believing in Jesus as our only hope. So let's pray together. Turn my mic off. We're so thankful for who you are and that you know each and every one of us so uniquely and that you have allowed us to be in this space together. I'm thankful for your word that we get to study and the ways that you are speaking to each of us. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts to realize where we are falling away from you, where we are pursuing truths in our lives that are apart from your truth of who you are and who you say we are. God, I pray that um, we would be able to confess where, where we are falling into sin and that we would just unashamedly reveal that to someone this week and say, this is where we've fallen short and we need forgiveness and allow our community to be the tangible grace and forgiveness of you. God, speak through others in our lives. God, I pray that um, we would all just get to rest in your goodness this week, that we would seek to know your character in new ways, and that we would just ultimately accept that we are your sons and daughters, and that is the most important identity that we can ever have. We're thankful for you, and we honor you, and it's in your precious name. Amen.